0: This is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. God bless you. We need to be beyond all the the politically correct nonsense in our world and the things that would drive people away from Jesus. I always like to say that if we're going to draw a line in the sand, people should see our love more than our doctrine.
1: today's show, author Joe Battaglia joins us to talk about his new book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus. This is the 44th episode of On Faith's Edge. Hi, (laughs) welcome. Welcome to On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations with people of faith in business and entertainment from all walks of life and levels of success they all have one thing in common like joe battaglia they believe in god and they come here to talk about it last episode we spoke with michael sweet from striper about his new hard rock album with dawkins george lynch only to rise and man did they deliver Uh, classic hard rock fans will love only to rise and never one to shy away from controversy he had a bit to say about Kanye West's antics at the Grammys. We also spoke with Zach McGorman and Jesse Freison from the emerging new rock band Above the Fall. Zach and Jesse are impressive young men, and their newly released EP, Rise and Fall, is absolutely great. I first want to offer up an apology to you guys. Uh, last week, I told you that I would offer a, uh, a graphic description of Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, it's important to understand exactly what Jesus went through when he was on the cross uh, to put in perspective that he did it uh, voluntarily and he did it for you and me. But instead, I'm going to link to a blog post at redeeminggod.org titled, Crucifixion, the Physical Suffering of Jesus. This isn't a cop-out. I, I really tried to record it on a number of occasions to no avail. For several reasons, I just, I just couldn't get through it. Onfaithsedge.com slash the cross will link directly to that post. Again, the post is on redeeminggod.org, and, uh, but I'm going to link directly to it through onfaithsedge.com slash the cross. Again, onfaithsedge.com slash the cross. Please, please go read it at redeeminggod.org uh, or go to the link onfaithsedge.com slash the cross. Like I said, it really puts in perspective. Uh, exactly what Jesus went through on the cross. And again, it's not for the faint of heart. Up next, I speak with author Joe Battaglia about his provocative new book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus. Joe is founder and president of Renaissance Communications. He's the executive producer and general manager of Keep the Faith Radio, a nationally syndicated radio program heard in over 200 markets in 80 countries worldwide. In 1991, Joe penned his first book, a new suit for Lazarus. Highly active in the Christian music industry, Joe served on the board of the Gospel Music Association for 19 years. He was chairman of the National Christian Radio Association for 14 years, and now he's the author of the highly praised, the politically incorrect Jesus. Hello,
0: Joe. Welcome to the show. Well, I think it's easy to remember your name. Hi, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> From one Joe to another,
1: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming out to talk to me. Well, I thank really you do. for having me. I want to jump right into your newest project, mm-hmm. the politically incorrect Jesus. Joe, if nothing else, you certainly know how to title a book to
0: sell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the tell me about the politically incorrect Jesus.
0: Okay, well. Uh, as a journalist, that's my training and background, but I've been in broadcasting almost 40 years now. Um, I became really concerned a few years ago with the growing uh, intellectual dishonesty, if you will, in the marketplace that people were assenting to things that they really didn't believe. But because somebody decided to change the language <laughs> and the lexicon of our marketplace discussions, that they no longer could say what the obvious was. And so it was um, becoming uh, something that I found very distasteful that you were no longer expected to say the truth or to state what the obvious was because it would offend somebody for some reason. Or someone who just didn't like it said, well, this is an intolerant kind of person. Mm. So you could no longer say what is true or state the obvious because it was no longer acceptable. Well, what good does that do? And as a journalist, you're not called to make that differentiation. You're supposed to state what is. Let me give you a, a classic story from my past. My last name is Battaglia. I think most people understand that as Italian. I'm a first generation. Also, it's not
1: Obattaglia?
0: It's not Obattaglia, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least it, when they came from Italy, they never shortened the name. And so um, I'm a first generation. Both my parents were born there, and so um, we lived in a, um, um, with my grandparents in, in our home, and so we were a very nuclear Italian family, and my dad used to love th- to watch The Untouchables with oh. Robert Stack as Elliot Ness and yeah. all that, Yeah. and one day, you know, this episode, they um, introduced another character with yet another Italian surname. And when he was really mad at something, he would speak in Italian, you know, mm-hmm. as most were prone to do. And he right. would say, you know, basically, uh, per che, per che sono italiani," meaning, why are all these people Italian? To which I replied to him, dad, probably because they were. <laughs> we no longer can say what was right. or what is for fear of offending somebody. Well. Who changed those signposts? Right. As we used to say in Jersey, who died and left them in charge? <laughs> and so um, um, it, it, it just became so laughable, but so tragic that we now opt for intellectual dishonesty. I call it intellectual suicide. Right, right. This whole politically correct nonsense. Um, and it's so damaging uh, to what truth is that I decided to write about it. You know, the whole
1: idea of tolerance in and of itself is kind of a scam, you know, because if you're if you're truly tolerant, then you would tolerate my intolerance.
0: Well, right? of course, of course, <laughs> <coughs> you know, it's just it just replaces uh, one ideology for another. That's all it is. It's not right. really tolerance because we know that those who control the, uh, the politically correct landscape are only tolerant of the things that they're tolerant about. I mean, it is such a word game. And again, I just go back to say, it's just absurd. It's just intellectually not honest. Uh, And so why not call it for what it is?
1: So what are the most, uh, I guess I would, I would ask egregious offenses of, (laughs) of politically incorrect. And how do you, and how does that dovetail into how
0: Jesus would be politically incorrect? Yeah. Let's talk about a couple situations. All right, because Jesus was beyond everything. He came to redeem culture, not condemn it. Our job is to redeem individuals through our Christ-following process and not condemn people. When he approached the woman at the well, it was totally politically incorrect for him to even talk to a Samaritan woman. We know that, right, from Scripture. And yet he stepped outside of that because he was outside of that. He could always step outside of everything because he was the logos, the embodiment of truth. He was the I am. So he put himself in a situation that was beyond anything of politics or polemics because of who he is. We are his representatives. We should be above that as well in our dealings. We should be beyond, beyond that. Amen, Joe. I have a line in the book where I say, if you raise the flag higher than the cross, you have a problem. Yep. And the, and, and the explicit message to that is we are on slippery slope when we think that we can bring people to Jesus other than through the cross and other than through a representation of who he was, meaning his character, his compassion. When he approached the woman caught in adultery, he went beyond the politics and he went beyond the politically correct thing of saying, well, you know, this is the, uh, the acceptable, uh, current thing. We stoner. He offered her something that the politically correct people never even thought of forgiveness. Right. Again, he's beyond it. We need to be beyond all the, the politically correct nonsense in our world and the things that would drive people away from Jesus. I always like to say that if we're going to draw a line in the sand, people should see our love more than our doctrine. And so that's what they need. And my good friend Steve Brown has a line that says that righteousness without tears is arrogance. I think um, far too many people have seen our righteousness and too few of our tears. Amen. And so I think those are the things that we should come to grips with and build our own um, theology, if you will, our own personal theology of how this relates. So how do we do this, Joe? I mean, how do we, uh, you know,
1: you, you talk about the the adulterer who, who Jesus saved from being stoned. And that is, a, that is a favorite verse amongst those who don't, who, who don't want to be, quote-unquote, judged. I'm just going to ask you for your take sure. on, on my take, if you don't mind, because yeah. I, I struggle with this. Yes, Jesus indeed took, took the woman and saved her. The famous line is, uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Mm-hmm, okay. Sure. But also, when all was said and done, he didn't leave it at that. He took her to the side. He, he, he loved on her, but then he said, go and sin no more. And I, and I take that as, don't ever do this again. I saved you. I redeemed you. They're gone. Live a better life.
0: Yeah, let me comment on that. <clears throat> the reason he could say, go and sin no more Is because first, he offered forgiveness and did not condemn. Like I said, Jesus came to redeem the world, not condemn it. And let me tell you the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation leaves no room for love. Conviction leaves room for love. And that is the distinction between all this. That's why as Christians, if we step into the role of the condemner because we dislike or disapprove of the person's behavior, it leaves no room for forgiveness. And that's why the world cannot understand the love of Jesus, because it has not understood the forgiveness of Jesus. That's what we need to bring to the table when we draw those lines in the sand. All right? They've not seen our... They've seen too few of our tears, too much of our righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's not about someone being righteous. It's about someone being forgiven. Amen. And God's grace allows that to happen if we would just understand that's our role as Christ followers to be representatives of that kind of thinking and allow the the world to see that. But if they see a culture war and that they see mad people arguing and seething ideologues, you know, uh, rather than saints who wash feet, that would change too a lot of people. Absolutely. So that's what I say to those who say, well, judge not. I say, well, the problem is if you judge not and and don't allow a person the opportunity to change the destructive behavior, that is not love. That's condemnation. You are becoming as condemning as you say we are Because you think that just by allowing somebody to go continue in in destructive behavior is the loving thing to do. Now, does that make sense? And then people sit and think, well, gee, that doesn't make sense. Would you allow your child to engage in destructive behavior and call that love? I mean, what idiot thought that up? Amen. And so that's why we need to be able to say to people in love and grace and Uh, With as much charm as possible. (laughs) You know, who does that help? Let's, let's, uh, but see, here's the problem. When, when we uh, allow ourselves uh, to be uh, wrapped up in the world's way of thinking, uh, we dilute the gospel. Mm -hmm. When we try to be chameleons rather than salt and light, we don't follow what Jesus asked us to do. And so, uh, we need to uh, just state what we believe, uh, lead people to the cross, allow for forgiveness to enter the conversation, which sometimes we never talk about because it's easier to point the finger for many people than it is to wash the foot. Amen. And so Amen. Uh, we need to reach, recharge our thinking and, and, um, and, and learn from the, the one who calls us to be his representatives here on earth. And then a lot of things would change. The book is The Politically Incorrect Jesus by the one and only Joe Battaglia.
1: Joe, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your faith. Can we, sp- sure. can we
0: spend a little bit of time there? How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Okay. Uh, well, simple enough. Um, I was uh, you know, raised religiously in uh, you know, a strong Catholic home. I never had any problem with faith. Never any problem with my family. Had a great time. Tremendous family. Always did well in school. Um, went to college. Went to Boston University. Mm-hmm. Majored in journalism. I was going to be the next Pulitzer Prize winner for whomever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and into that context, in my sophomore year, I met someone from Campus Crusade for Christ, who said to me. Um, Hey, I'd, I'd love to share this little booklet with you, The Four Spiritual Laws. And came to the fourth law, you know, that you have to ask Jesus into your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, gee, I already think Jesus is there. Um, he said, Well, have you ever asked him in your life? I said, Well, I don't really remember asking him, um, but do you think my life could be any better than it already is? I had a great life. I know what I'm doing. Never did dope. This was 1970. You know, uh, don't kick cats. You know, <laughs> treat dogs nicely. Um, you know, love my parents. Um, I, I know what I want to do. You know, I'm a straight-A student. What more could you I mean, have um, can my life be any better than that? He said, well, you should find out if it can, if you're a true journalist. Wow. And I said, you're right, I should. And what do I do? He says, well, I pray this prayer first and mean it. So I said, my father said, when I got to college, don't sign anything. Don't give anybody any money. I don't have to sign anything or give you any money, right? Because I'm not doing it then. You're not fooling this jersey, boy. (laughs) So he he laughed and said no. Um, And I began hanging out with the believers and there weren't that many on the campus of Boston university in 1970. And I began to see the disparity between what I considered my life to be so good. And, and those who are real believers. And uh, I made a commitment the following year um, to follow Christ. And uh, then my life began to change. Since,
1: since that time, Joe, have you ever had a time where you, you questioned your faith or even maybe the belief
0: in belief in God? I, you know, I, I can't honestly say that I had a time where I didn't believe in God or questioned my faith. And this is, this is my story, right? Sure, sure. To me, it was the most logical thing to do to transfer uh, uh, my, my, my shallow faith or no faith to faith because I never, you know, had uh, any reason not to believe that God loved me. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I was so loved by my parents. Right. And I find that to be an important factor in so many people's lives. And, um, and I had, you know, achieved all the things I needed to achieve and felt I knew what I was doing. Uh, And so, and I've seen God work in my life over these past 40 years in amazing ways. And even though I have challenges like everybody, um, I, I have a chapter in my book about the freedom in limitation. Uh, my wife has MS. Mm-hmm. And although she's very healthy, she is right now still in a wheelchair. And, and as we work to get her beyond that at some point, um, that's what we're working toward. And it's terribly frustrating, as you might imagine, of course. And yet um, someone said to me, why don't you write about what you feel? And I wrote down, and it's a chapter in my book about the freedom and limitation, uh, about how um, the world tells us to amass things. Jesus says to divest of the things that keep us from him. And uh, I use the, uh, the uh, word picture of gravity in simple physics is uh, the more mass, the more gravity. That's what keeps us planted on earth. Right, it's mass. So the more we amass, the more we are pulled, and that's why Jesus said you need a savior to, in a sense, help you um, go get free from the things that are holding you down, and to divest yourselves of the things that keep you. And so, my wife's MS has proven, in one sense to limit me in the things I can do and the things I can own and acquire and go to and, and all the things that are distractions. So that uh, illness has prevented me from amassing the things that might keep me away from Christ. And maybe he said, you know, I think we're going to introduce into your life this challenge so that you can become more like me. Wow.
1: What a perspective, Joe. F- finally, as we wrap up, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, Joe, about to make that choice to believe? Mm-hmm. Can I stop for a second, man? Yeah. Uh, I'm really touched by this story of your wife, brother. As I'm as I'm as I'm watching you tell the story, the the love that you have for this woman is 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 evident, and and for you to take the perspective of of God introduced this into your life to divest you of those things that would pull you away from him. I think I said that right. Uh, Is a, is a, is a lesson in the joy that God brings and the love that he has for us. Mm, Amen. And the love that he has for you flowing through to your wife. Thank you for that story, brother.
0: Well, thank you, Joe. I mean, I'm sorry. I I don't normally. (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, I, I bet there are many, many people listening to this right now who are going through a similar situation and are asking themselves, boy, is this worth it? Is God mad at me? Is there a God? You know, all these are legitimate questions to ask simply because they are on our heart. It does not show lack of faith. It shows honest faith. And that's the faith of a mustard seed. When it's planted in a fertile seed bed of where God can water it and nurture it and make it grow. And so I'd just like to encourage everybody that uh, the, the opportunity to trust God is the only out we have that the world can offer. And the only thing the world can offer is emptiness and Jesus offers us fullness. So we can make a decision. Do we wanna be full or do we wanna be empty? And you know, I'd rather be full. I, I think everybody that you know goes through these situations and I'm sure there are far worse situations than mine. If you're on the edge of faith, this may be the thing that helps you toward faith Because faith is the only logical thing to give you that hope and that encouragement and that strength to get past it. And so embrace it, find out what your limitation is, and see how God can use that to improve your life, not amass things in order to give you more, because the more is never going to satisfy you anyway. We all know that, right? Right. I mean, that's no big secret any longer, that having more does nothing to improve the quality of your life. It improves the things you have around you in your life, but it doesn't improve you as an individual normally. Amen. And so um, I think it's just wonderful that people are honest that they don't have faith and share that with someone that you might know or respect that has a faith. And I think for those that are... Uh, believers and have faith and know people who are struggling in this world in order to make sense of faith you are the opportunity for them to do that and you know all they need to do is to see that you care because Jesus is the only one who cares and if they don't see it from you they may not see it from anybody I don't think we can say anything more than that Joe Pataglia, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you being with me today. God bless you, my friend. Hey, Joe, very nice to be here. And really, in in closing, uh, I have even uh, eight Bible studies that I wrote that you can download from the website, thepoliticallyincorrectjesus.com. They're free. Um, You might consider if this has meant anything to you and you want to continue this conversation in a home group or cell group or just for yourself and, and uh, use it as a working manual, if you will, for understanding how Jesus can be more in your life. Uh, you might want to go do that. And I would love to, to know that God's using those things because it's free and, um, and go for it.
1: So the book is The Politically Incorrect Jesus. The author is Joe Battaglia. And the website again is?
0: Thepoliticallyincorrectjesus.com. Thanks, God Joe. God bless you, brother.
1: The Politically Incorrect Jesus can be found at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. If you want to support the show, please feel free to use the Amazon link in today's show notes at OnFaithsEdge.com 44. Again, that's OnFaithsEdge.com 44. You can find out more about Joe and the Politically Incorrect Jesus at ThePoliticallyIncorrectJesus.com. Again, that's ThePoliticallyIncorrectJesus.com. That'll wrap up today's show. Thank you again to Joe Pataglia for joining us, and thank you for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to the show. I love you guys. Remember, God is real, and eternity is now. Let's go out and live life. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsledge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.